We normally dive right into each episode for people who don't like a lot of banter. Yes! Banter. <laughs> Faye is clearly among you in the no banter school of thought. Whereas I can handle a little bit as a longtime server who's rather confident in my mastery of the art of small talk. Petite, diminutive, piddling, microscopic. I also have mastered the small talk. <laughs> Very good. So we'll keep this short. Condensed, terse, yeah. precise. <laughs> I have also mastered the short talk. Hmm. Before we jump into this episode, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting us. Thank you. We have a bunch of new subscribers. Yay! As well as friends we have begged to subscribe. <laughs> also good. <laughs> or threatened. <laughs> yeah. So whichever those categories you fall into, thanks for being here. Yeah. From the bottom of our shriveled, black, grinchy little hearts. I keep mine in a shoebox under my bed. You, you keep your heart in a shoebox? Yeah, I don't really use it. Isn't that where old people put things to keep them safe? <laughs> I think it's under the mattress, but yeah, basically. Okay, yeah. Well. On a related note, we have been cracking jokes about having a Patreon for, I think, since episode one, actually. <laughs> um, and we still don't have one. Ta-da! But, I mean, not fully, but... So if you went looking for a Patreon, we'll have to make you stickers or something at some point. However, we do have a tip jar now. Because uh, we're part of the gig economy. So you can find it on our website at deathpartypodcast.com. We have a website. And drop us some love in there. Every little bit helps. We put lots of time and effort into bringing you interesting content. And your donations let us know that you are here for it and help us keep going. Yeah. Any amount counts and helps us with equipment, gas money, and the like. You wouldn't want us to have to resort to grave robbing now, would you? You mean tomb robbing, <laughs> eh? Oh, <laughs> leading into our today's subject. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, I obviously just went in for a shill there, but seriously, like, thank you so much for being here. Whether you're a friend, if you're someone we just met on the internet, or even a total stranger. A stranger's just a friend you haven't met yet. <laughs> or a serial killer. Well, yeah. Uh, we are positively pleased as punch that you have found us. Mm -hmm. And as we are also podcast fans, we know there are some super f***ing excellent ones. <laughs> so thank you for adding us to their ranks in your listening queue. You did add us, right? Please. <laughs> Please that subscribe button. And if you're leaving us likes and comments on the socials, we want you to know that we do notice and we are very grateful for you as well. I give bonus points for just like a stupid amount of emojis. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> uh, seems like a good time to tell you that your friendship has really caused me to up my emoji game. My mission here is done. <laughs> so yeah, it, it really makes our day and lets us know that all our effort is making someone else's day a little bit better. Hopefully. Maybe <laughs> making your death anxiety a little easier to deal with. Or night terrors. If we're giving you night terrors, I count that as a win. <laughs> I figure there's only a certain amount of them to go around, so the more of them that other people have, the less there is for me. <laughs> it's like a, it's, it is like a pie. Everything is a limited resource here. <laughs> yeah. We want to get to know you better, so if you want us to cover a particular topic or elaborate on a particular tangent, your feedback motivates us to spend more time working on the show and finding topics you'll like. Or ones that give you night terrors. I mean, 
same diff. <laughs> if you want us to cover a particular topic or elaborate on a particular tangent, mm -hmm. uh, tangents are my fave, <laughs> leave a message on our Twitter or Instagram and say hi. We try to respond to everybody. If there's more than five emojis, you will know it's from me. Yeah, I, I am at the point where I probably leave about three now, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line, but we can usually tell. Mine's five minimum. Right, right, right. A special thank you to Antoinette, who generously offered to help with research and transcription. We said this was going to be brief, didn't we? <laughs> I think by now people know neither one of us does brief. Yeah. Brief is for underpants. <laughs> <laughs> Did it keep you from skipping ahead? Sometimes it pays to lie. Don't lie, kids. Don't skip ahead either. You'll miss the part where we discuss the location of the buried treasure. Ooh. Just do like me and drift off. Thinking about what kind of snacks you're going to have later. It's the live version of skipping ahead. And mm. you don't have to hit that little fast forward button, which is safer if you're driving or eating something that makes your fingers sticky. Yeah. All right. Or doing something else that makes your fingers sticky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought this was a PG show. I've, I've, I've heard people do it when they're driving. Anyway, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Not while you're driving. Not, Just while, pull you're, over. not while you're driving. It's very endangering. Whatever. I'm not judging. Everything has its time and place. Hey, if you listened to our last episode, you know that the last one was a little bit of a tangent for us. So this one is going to be a little more classic straight ahead death party fun time and not that kind of weird, like lots of acting and voiceover work and <laughs> high drama no that funny voice well maybe just one funny voice May well, don't tune out <laughs> just yet if you're waiting for the funny voice because there but might no be one sound effects for you <laughs> no sound effects no we're just doing the traditional like telling you straight up death facts style that we've done for most of the episodes okay without further ado <laughs> let's get started let's go <laughs> So, what is a Book of the Dead? In ancient Egypt, a Book of the Dead was a collection of mortuary texts made up of tips, spells, and or magic formulas placed in tombs and believed to protect and aid the deceased in the hereafter. Go ancient Egyptians! Mm -hmm. I complain exactly twice a month about being pooped out into this life without any oh. kind of instruction manual. At least they had the foresight to put together an afterlife manual. Mm-hmm. So, my understanding of a Book of the Dead is, like, Beetlejuice, right? The handbook well, for the recently deceased? I mean, basically. Uh, nice. Fortunately, there were no sandworms in ancient Egypt. Can we be sure, though? Well, what with the prolificness? I believe it's prolificity. Prolificity, <laughs> with which uh, the ancient Egyptians left hieroglyphs. It stands mm. to reason that we'd have seen them by now in the art that they left behind. I suppose. Maybe it's like a kraken. Urban legend until proof finally surfaces thousands of years later, and we are no longer forced to deny that the world is magic. I was just thinking about that yesterday. Hey, hey, hey. We are so psychic. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast about whether the Loch Ness Monster could be real or not, and I was remembering when nobody was sure that the Kraken was a thing yet, but in my heart of hearts, the one in the shoebox under the bed, right. I knew the truth. So, ancient Egyptian sandworms, somewhere out there, there is a hieroglyph to back this up. If you're listening and you refuse to not believe like I do and have insider knowledge of a sandworm hieroglyph, <laughs> 
Post it on our socials and tag us. Ancient sandworm truth seekers, unite! <laughs> if this person is one of our audience, then <laughs> I feel like they probably got better things to do, but hey, I'll take it. I will definitely not turn it down. <laughs> so I think people need to be briefed on ancient Egyptian beliefs for post-deadening before anything else will really make sense. I'll keep it short. Condensed. Terse. Precise and thusly not do justice to the rich cultural heritage of a civilization which served as a blueprint for many later civilizations. Yeah, screw all that. That sounds like work. (laughs) (laughs) But damn it, why would I let that stop me? Work, 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 work. Okay. Egyptians saw Egypt (laughs) as the most perfect land in the world. Um, This is what you call nationalism, folks, (laughs) and the center of the universe. They believed that their country's environment and natural and social orders were established by the gods. Mm. They had this really important central concept, which was called Mat. Mat. Oh, yeah. Disclaimer. If we mispronounce shit, it's because we don't read hieroglyphs. So just deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and a lot of these things can be pronounced multiple ways because there were vowels missing or, you know. uh, Yeah, we're not Egyptologists. Sorry. M-A-A-T. You figure it out. Yeah. So mat, which is a divine order or cosmic balance. And we're going to come back to that. It's, It's super important to ancient Egyptian culture and it informs a lot of how they live their lives and also how they die so Mm -hmm. it's going to be coming up a lot everyone had the duty of maintaining a mat but pharaohs and priests bore more of this burden than the average Egyptian people around here need to get their mat together (laughs) living within the laws of mat meant that life could continue in Egypt which to reiterate is the best thing ever because Egypt is the best So to be Egyptian was to be of the best people and to live and die in Egypt was the aspiration of every Egyptian. It was so pervasive that if an Egyptian died abroad, efforts were made to retrieve the body and return it to Egypt. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they were not able to return the body to Egypt, the afterlife could not be guaranteed for a person whose corpse stayed outside of Egypt. Wow, propaganda much? (laughs) Shades of America. Mm -hmm. Turns out nationalism is really not that original of a concept. But yeah, we borrowed it from the Egyptians. Take that, racists! (laughs) You have more in common with other ethnicities than you ever want to admit. And that's one of the many reasons why you're gross. You're gross. No, I I wasn't talking to you. Oh, I was thinking about snacks again. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of snacks? Little cakes! Oh, so as long as we're talking about Egyptian beliefs and Egypt and Egypty stuff, I feel like this this is worth mentioning. But uh, in case you need the refresher, mm. Egypt is one country on the continent of Africa, which has many other countries also on it. I didn't do well in geography. Mm. I only know that Italy is shaped like a boot. In my defense, if they just made more places in funny shapes like boots, then I would remember. 
Oh, yeah. I remember learning that as a kid, and it confused me a lot because the Arabian Peninsula is also boot-shaped. What? Mm-hmm. Well, now what's my excuse? Well, okay, so now it's just like, which boot are we talking about? Mm. Is it the sexy-heeled thigh-high boot or the cozy Ugg boot? Right. But see, they can't make them all boots. That's just as hard to remember in a different way. Mm. They need to make the next one something different, like underpants or a big <laughs> nose with a mustache. <laughs> Start this country so we can remember them <laughs> how many times do we have to tell you if any of this description of egypt being the best and egyptians being the best sounds like a rather lofty assessment of egypt's place in the world at large i would like to remind you that egypt was one of the world's earliest urban and literate societies i'm literate you don't see me making a big deal out of it nerds <laughs> Women in ancient Egypt had a legal status only marginally inferior to that of men. Hey. Only marginally (laughs) inferior. They were advanced. I mean, yeah. (laughs) When you consider that this was thousands of years BCE and how many years women's rights have been advanced just in our lifetimes now. um, (sighs) Yeah. Ancient Egyptians were highly progressive or our society is practically in the Stone Age by comparison. Yeah, that second one, though. Well... Women could own and dispose of property in their own right, and they could initiate divorce and other legal proceedings. Mm -hmm. They hardly ever held administrative office, but increasingly were involved in religious cults as priestesses or chantresses. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. In other words, ancient Egyptians had their reasons to think pretty highly of themselves. (laughs) So, side note, thinking of changing my LinkedIn profile title to Chantress. Yes! (laughs) I have a slinky black dress with a gold beaded snake design on the front that yes. I've been saving to start a snake cult, but honestly, it sounds like a lot of work. Chantress, though, I'm halfway there. Yeah, I've seen that dress and it's pretty great, although I have yet to see it on you, but. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm never gonna wear it. It just hangs in my closet and looks oh, good. Oh, you have to, somebody has to wear it. <laughs> Will it fit me? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, okay, all right, a snake cult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm listening. <laughs> what would people do in the snake cult? Well, everybody would get a snake. Obviously, yeah, yeah. And then, I don't know, stand around with our snakes and look cool. Yeah. Magic spells, probably. Stuff yeah. like that. Okay. What are you going to wear to start your career as a chantress? I feel like we both go straight to picking out outfits, so I know you have it planned already. Ooh. What if I had, like hardly any clothes but it was just the snake hiding my naughty bits yeah and then it moves around and so i have to keep like angling my tit i don't know (laughs) (laughs) just like hey can you cover the nips please (laughs) come on snake perfect To ancient Egyptians, the afterlife was considered to be a continuation of life on earth. And after one had passed through various difficulties and judgment in the hall of truth, they would arrive at a paradise which was a perfect reflection of one's life on earth. After the soul had been justified in the hall of truth, it passed on to cross over a lily lake to rest in the field of reeds, where one would find all that one had lost in life and could enjoy it eternally. Hmm. That other sack! Hmm? Keys! That new jelly sandal I lost in Lake Champlain as a child that Champ most assuredly added to her nest. <laughs> Champy! Yeah. Tell our people who Champy is in case they don't know. I love that you looked this up without... <laughs> I already t- knew! Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Oh my god, I listened to all the weird podcasts. Oh. I know about all the weird things. <laughs> okay, alright, alright. Yeah, I had no idea that like there were all these 
sightings and I mean I checked okay. out that link you sent I had I, so much weird shit happens around big lakes especially big lakes over there for some reason yeah I was wildly impressed that champ was referred to as America's Loch Ness Monster like there's only one and it's fucking champ Boom, champ, tearing you will be it up. more impressed when I tell you that that's actually kind of backwards. Oh. Champy existed before the Loch Ness Monster. <gasps> that's champ. right. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in case you're completely lost with all this champ talk, <laughs> my I had family that lived near a lake in Vermont, which, if you are listening from somewhere outside of the U.S., is one of the states out of all of our states that are united but it's one of the other ones that's not new york or california or texas which i assume (laughs) are the only ones that you would know about as not living on our continent do people outside of the u.s know other states i think actually a lot of them do schools are better outside the u.s (laughs) yeah i mean it's fair if they don't i think a lot of americans think africa is a country right all I know is it's not boot-shaped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Any hoozle. I swam in Lake Champlain a lot as a child when I visited family in Vermont. And it, lost your new jelly sandal there. Yeah. It's a f***ing tragedy. Yeah. It was new. It was actually new. Ugh. I never had new sh- It was very disappointing. Just the luck. But Lake Champlain also goes up to New York State as well. So they have their local yokel version of the Loch Ness Monster, Nessie. Mm-hmm. And in true t- fashion to Nessie's uncreative naming pattern, the Lake Champlain monster, Champlain being spelled C-H-A-M-P-L-A-I-N, <laughs> so they just shortened it and called the lake monster Champ. In Champy's defense, it was first reported in 1609, oh. and the Loch Ness Monster wasn't reported until 1933. <gasps> so I think we know who's copying who here. <sighs> Champy's the OG. Mm-hmm. So, everyone who makes it to the field of reeds will be reunited with their lost loved ones for all of eternity, except you. You'll be standing there with a jelly sandal, some keys, and maybe a lake monster. (laughs) Jealous? (laughs) I mean, honestly, the lake monster sounds like a great choice. It's probably going to be pretty sweet. I don't know who you are to yuck my immortal yum. (laughs) Anyway, I guess we have some different ideas about the afterlife betwixt us. <laughs> Actually, that'd be a pretty great name for a soap opera. Oh. The afterlife betwixt us. That is good. <laughs> going to make the intro music. <laughs> okay. Lake Champlain has some crazy shit going on. It's like Skinwalker Ranch. Sorry for those of you who don't know what that is. Maybe we'll get into that some other time, but... It's like Skinwalker Ranch and the Bermuda Triangle combined. Mm. It has reports of not only a lake monster, Champ. but multiple mysterious disappearances, <gasps> including a lady with a wagon and her entire team of horses, Whoa. and a plane full of people that vanished after only four minutes of venturing out over the lake, never to be seen again. Yikes. Multiple UFO sightings, including two abduction stories that lined up under hypnosis. Whoa. An 18-story underground research facility linked to the CIA's MKUltra mind control program. Hold on. 18 stories, all of them underground? Underground. Yeah. A prophetic ghost that foretold the location of his brother's future death. Oh, I want to be a prophetic ghost. I mean, you might be someday. (laughs) That's pretty rad. Regular ghosts, only slightly less impressive. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot... 
that one possibly just a bear yeah and shapeshifters or interdimensional werewolves i think those are probably the same thing but i need to do more research yeah whoa you got all that from a quick internet search i did i just searched lake and death (laughs) (laughs) yeah that pans out actually being the oldest part of the country there's hardly anywhere in new england that doesn't have like 10 million ghost stories attached to it Mm mm-hmm and lakes big lakes Mm -hmm. are spooky they're old they smell funny (laughs) they've got all the elements so because it has nothing to do with the books of the deads but it is so interesting and it does have to do with death Mm. lake champlain should probably be kind of its own thing you came here today for books of the dead damn it so if you want to hear about lake champlain and its crazy connection to mysterious deaths and some other bizarro things like interdimensional werewolves leave a comment on our socials letting us know that you want to hear more about the mysterious and deadly lake champlain you can find us on instagram and facebook at death party podcast and on twitter at death party pod because twitter is difficult (laughs) your comments have the power to steer us towards which episodes we tackle next so speak up or forever rest in peace okay Wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Lake monsters and werewolves. Yeah. We are talking about mummies. Mummies. <laughs> Get it? Wrap it up. Oh, okay. Mummies. <clears throat> yeah. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> the Egyptians believed that after their transitory life on Earth, they would move to a more permanent life in a place that was an enhanced Egypt. This place, which could be either subterranean and a mirror image of Egypt, or... Celestial was often called the Fields of Aru, or Fields of Reeds. Here the deceased could live eternally at one with the gods. If it's a mere image, are there big pointy holes in the ground instead of pyramids? Oh. Do mere images have to go only sideways, or can they go up and down? I think up and down would be way more interesting. And then Mm. you could slide down the inverted pyramid holes without having to climb all the way to the tippy top first, which sounds exhausting. And I don't know how Egyptians did it. Yeah. Whee! Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, you'd still have to climb out again afterwards, though. So it seems like it'd be the same amount of work. No, the sandworms at the bottom just eat you up and you're done. Oof. Well, sideways, celestial, or upside down. In order to reach that paradise, one needed to know where to go, how to address certain gods, what to say at certain times, and how to comport oneself in the land of the dead, which is why an afterlife manual would be extremely useful. (sighs) Kind of like how um, I know that at Harvard, they have classes in how to comport oneself at a business dinner. Which one is the salad fork? And precisely on which bite of your petty four you're supposed to seal the deal or whatever. I knew all of that by the time I was 13 from devouring the giant book of etiquette at my local library. Right, 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 right. (laughs) Yeah, not that I went to Harvard. I just was around Harvard enough to know that they have classes like this. Mm -hmm. For all their (laughs) students. Well, they don't have the very scary almanac, so I think we know who the real winner is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got it. I, I don't really know what else to say to that. Moving along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Take that. The Egyptian Book of the Dead has been in existence for thousands of years. 
It originated from concepts depicted in tomb paintings and inscriptions from as early as the third dynasty of Egypt, which I'm sure you know exactly what years that was, but (laughs) so circa 2670 to 2613 BCE. And then by the 12th dynasty, so 1991, lots of neon, to 1802 BCE, these spells with accompanying illustrations were written on papyrus and placed in tombs and graves with the dead. Their purpose, as historian Margaret Bunsen explains... Margaret Bunsen. Margaret Margaret Bunsen. (laughs) What does Margaret Bunsen sound like? (laughs) Margaret Bunsen sounded a bit like this. That's what I thought. And also the other British lady I'm going to impersonate is going to sound a lot like that, too. So... The purpose of the Egyptian Book of the Dead was to instruct the deceased on how to overcome... You're not doing a voice. Oh, 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 right, 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 right. <laughs> This is a direct quote from Margaret Bunsen. This is what I'm here for. <laughs> As Margaret Bunsen explains, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, uh, its purpose was to instruct the deceased on how to overcome the dangers of the afterlife by enabling them to assume the form of several mythical creatures and to give them the passwords necessary for admittance to certain stages of the underworld. <laughs> I'm going to be bummed out when somebody like picks you up as voice talent and you have to quit the podcast <laughs> because of all your crazy voices. They're going to be like, your voices are great. Uh, your accents need <laughs> lots of work. Why are they all Australian? <laughs> so the Books of the Dead also served to provide the soul with foreknowledge of what would be expected at every stage. It's been known by several names throughout history. The most familiar is probably, as we've been saying, the Book of the Dead, since that's what (laughs) Western scholars named it. But a more accurate translation would be the Book of Coming Forth by Day or Spells for Going Forth by Day. Yes. And if that sounds like kind of a weird name, Coming Forth by Day actually refers to a process which involves breaking the bonds of death and coming forth to bask in sunlight in a spiritual sense. So it's both a vision and aspiration to overcome death, to go and come freely in heaven and earth and assume any form in any place one spirit wishes to be. Pretty fucking badass. <laughs> like, how cool is that? Yeah. Day also translates to into the light, which mm. I think is so fucking interesting because even today when we hear of near-death experiences, mm. NDEs to us experts. Yeah, yeah. Experts spelled with a Z in case anyone couldn't hear the difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, People today who have near-death experiences often say that they see a bright light and feel drawn to go into it, but then either get sucked back into their body or someone appears and tells them it's not their time to go yet. So if ancient Egyptians were drawn up scrolls with instructions and spells on how to go forth into the light, Mm. that is a serious parallel there. Uh You know what I'm saying? I do. Hey, if you all want us to do an episode on near-death experiences, leave a comment on our socials somewhere, and we'll do it. 
Mm-hmm. God, we still have to do the follow-up to the reincarnation one, though. Yeah, that's true. Leave a comment on our social somewhere. We'll do it eventually. <laughs> so now we're back to, uh, we're going to introduce a new British character onto the scene. <laughs> yeah, this is a different British lady accent, just in case you were confused. Don't worry. Yeah, if it sounds exactly the same, it's definitely something with your ears <laughs> and, and not the way that I'm saying it. So <laughs> Egyptologist Geraldine Pinch who, of course, is British, because, come on, mm-hmm. that name is, like, the Britishest. Such a good name. You can picture her on the tube in her brown tweed coat with her upturned nose, just, like, <laughs> clasping her patent leather clutch for dear life, which, you know, contains, like, a variety of teas. <laughs> yes! Teas! <laughs> teas for every emergency. Oh, my God. I love teas. <laughs> And her hair is all done up, and she's wearing a fancy little hat that's, like, a little bit small. Oh, yeah, like a fascinator, maybe, or something? Yes, yes. And she's sitting, nay, teetering precariously oh. on her seat edge, just ready at any moment to rearrange her bustle to accommodate a quick exit. <laughs> is it because there might be a spy after her? Ooh. And she has a tidy little parasol that shoots poison <gasps> knockout drop capsules yes. at her pursuers? Intrigue. Ugh. <laughs> Geraldine Pinch. She sounds like a Harry Potter character. Mm-hmm. But like pre-transphobic J.K. Rowling Harry oh. Potter character when she could do no wrong in our eyes. The good old days. Yeah. Anyway, so Geraldine Pinch explains. Do the voice. Ooh. <laughs> the Egyptian Book of the Dead is a term coined in the 19th century CE for a body of texts known to the ancient Egyptians as the spells for going forth by day. <laughs> I'm just picturing someone listening to this while they're driving and they're stopped at a light and people in the crosswalk can hear it coming out their car windows like, what the f***? That would be awesome. I hope British people aren't like, what? What, what do you think we are? You think we're all like that? I don't. I don't. I promise. Don't As they're sitting me. there drinking their tea, they're like, oh, such a gross generalization. Spitting it out. Doing a tea spit take. How dare she? Uh, oh, I dare. Here, I'm going to keep going. After the Book of the Dead was first translated by Egyptologists, it gained a place in the popular imagination of the Bible of the ancient Egyptians. The comparison is very inappropriate. The book, this is not a British accent at all, but we're just going with it. <laughs> I like how it's sort of shifting it's, as yeah. you go along. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just relax and enjoy the ride. <laughs> the Book of the Dead was not the central holy book of the Egyptian religion. It was just one of a series of manuals composed to assist the spirits of the elite dead to achieve and maintain a full afterlife. I feel like we're getting very close to Australian. Getting super Australian. <laughs> we're all just spinning around on this same crazy blue-green marble. Don't start with your marble again. <laughs> what does it matter? We're all the same. We're all one. We're using your marbles. It's been said. <laughs> no two copies of spells for going forth by day are exactly the same. They were created specifically for each individual who could afford to purchase one as a kind of manual to help them after death. Mm. I mean, I don't know. It sounds kind of like a car user manual. Like, yeah, they make them specific to each vehicle, but that doesn't make it any easier for a layman to follow the instructions. Mm. Especially if you're a woman. What? (laughs) What if I break a nail trying to figure out how to change the serpentine belt or open a canopic jar? That's just 
the American car manuals. The Japanese ones are actually really easy to follow. Only oh. you don't need to because they don't break as often as American cars. Oh. <laughs> the comparison of the Book of the Dead to a Bible can be traced to the Middle Ages and the Renaissance centuries before anyone knew what hieroglyphs meant. It was only in the 1820s that the Rosetta Stone was deciphered. Up until then, the prevailing school of thought was that since papyri were found in coffins and cemeteries, they had to have been religious writings. But not so. The Egyptian Book of the Dead is centered on the continuity of life in the beyond, where the dead, having lived in purity, hoped to have the right to become an Osiris, a son of heaven. In fact, the Book of the Dead was not even the first funerary text meant to provide protection for the dead. The earliest of these texts became known as pyramid texts, as they were found in the burial chamber of a pyramid built for an Egyptian royal who lived around 2350 BC. The scrolls they found in the laundry rooms were called the laundry room texts, and the ones in the (laughs) bathroom were the pee-pee texts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they had very imaginative names for all these scrolls, you can tell. I can only imagine it was surrounded by a bunch of other scrolls that still had the price stickers on them and had never been read either. (sighs) Bury me with my immaculate library I've accumulated to make me look smart and well-read, only to leave them neglected until their dying day Mm. and another 2,000 additional years or so. Pyramid texts were carved into columns in the pyramid itself. The pyramid texts fell into three main categories. So it was either protective spells to keep the royal deceased safe from dangerous creatures. There were a lot of dangerous creatures in ancient Egypt, so that was probably a good call. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They could also be spells for the deceased to use in the afterworld when using boats, ladders, etc., to travel safely. <laughs> I mean, the excellent idea, ancient Egyptians, but if those instructions were anything like the laminated cards in the back of plane seats, um, I hate to tell you, nobody looks at those. <laughs> Nobody. I look at them. I'm the only one, though. Yeah, me and you are, like, the only two people, I think. Go anxiety! (laughs) Anything I can do to get myself out of a plane crash alive, I'm on it. I think people just feel safe enough having them around that reading them is apparently way too much of a formality to bother. Hmm. And I say this as one of the few people paying attention when the flight attendant goes over airplane safety. I swear, every plane I get on, I always think, what are you people going to do if this plane has an emergency? Probably trample you and then die because they didn't read the emergency instructions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You think I don't know that? I f***ing know that. At least put the frigging thing in your hands and pretend to pay attention. Hmm. I'm not going to explain to you how to get your oxygen mask on while this metal space bird loses pressure. (laughs) You're on your own, high school junior varsity team. Oh, adorable, overtired family with a crap load of kids? See you on the other side, suckers. (laughs) If I can handle my own shit in an emergency, I'll be way ahead of the game, let alone anyone else's. Okay, so those are the first two categories of the pyramid texts. Right. The second one was instructions for what to do in the event of a plane crash. Or a water landing. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) But like pre-planes. And then the last category of incantations, which is associated with the execution of funerary rituals, such as the opening of the mouth. A ritual that... (laughs) Yeah. It sounds exactly like that. (laughs) In case you're one of those... Who named it that? (laughs) Not me. I can tell you that much. A ritual that reanimates the mummy and restores its senses. I don't want to know any more about that part. Good lord. That sounds so (laughs) 
fucking wretched. Sorry. <laughs> like at some point they go back and dig up the mummified corpse and wrench its dried out ass jaw open so the spirit can escape or uh-huh. come back or whatever. Like shriveled ass up, little dusty mummy <laughs> tongue all rattling around in there. <laughs> Barf. <laughs> you got way more graphic than that. <laughs> just let the record show. It was just in my head instantly. Yeah. <laughs> I had to share. All right. Uh, you do the math here. You can't make me. That's so insensitive of you after I told you how I failed advanced algebra and everything. Okay. All of math is not algebra. Just, just <laughs> calm down. Take your pills. <laughs> I did. I'm waiting for them to kick in. Oh, well, there's that. I'm just going to warn you, if you're a devout believer in Eurocentrism, you might not like this math. I mean, I didn't think we had much in common, but if they don't like math either, maybe they're not so bad. Yeah, yeah. I shall again entreat anyone listening to hold on to your religion but for the next part. Butts, butts, butts. <laughs> okay, this is a little wordy. Just bear with me. So wordy. Just tune out and think about snacks for a minute. Always an option. <clears throat> this conception of the post-mortem judgment finds its most complete expression in the Book of the Dead, and it represents a most significant achievement in both the history of religion and of ethics. I wish you were doing a voice for this part. Sorry. It's just going to be thick, and you're just going to have to stick it out. <laughs> I, you will be smarter after I finish reading this. Don't worry. <laughs> just bear with it. I smell burning. No. Think about water. Think about water. <laughs> Unless you have to pee, then think about... Think about snacks. The Egyptian idea of judgment after death, which was symbolized by them uh, with the balance or scales, mm-hmm. can be traced on into the Roman period of Egyptian religion, passing into Coptic Christianity, into the Jewish texts, into Greek thought, and ultimately finding expression in medieval Christian art with the archangel Michael assuming the role of master of the balance, which Thoth had held in ancient Egypt. Yeah, except Thoth was cooler because he had a little squiggly bird head, which is really funny to look at. (laughs) Was cooler or is cooler? If he's Mm. a god, then he probably still exists, so Thoth is cooler than Michael. Right. Sorry, Michael. Ouch. God burn. Samir Amin also stresses the relevance of this idea to world intellectual history. In his critique of Eurocentric claims to all major achievements, he states that before any other people, the Egyptians introduced the concept of eternal life. Why aren't you doing a voice? Oh, it's a dude. Before any other people, the Egyptians introduced the concept of eternal life and imminent moral justice, opening the way for humanist universalism. In fact, he contends the universalist moral breakthrough of the Egyptians is the keystone of subsequent human thought. And only after centuries of development does the Egyptian contribution become commonplace and expresses itself in debates between Christianity and Islam concerning hell and paradise, individual responsibility and determinism, the foundations of belief. What if he, like, called us and he sounded exactly like that on the phone? (laughs) That would be pretty freaky. I'd be like, why do you have my voice doing your voice? (laughs) Um, also boring. Oh. This is a podcast. If people want to hear shit like this, they would be in a library doing a book on tape. Well, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. That's a fair <laughs> point. All right. 
If you're listening to this while driving and need a simple breakdown of what I just quoted before your overtaxed brain runs a red light, mm-hmm. please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> I will give it to you straight. Okay. So what I just quoted was from, ooh, I'm probably going to pronounce the name wrong, but Malana Karenga? So Karenga might be great at academic typewriting, but the text I just read was clearly not written with sound bites in mind. I'll say. All right, all right, 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 right. <laughs> Morality. You know, that thing where nope. you lead a decent life without knocking ice creams out of kids' hands just to see them cry. Or, like, single-handedly extincting whole species. Or whatever your society's definition of morality is. Yeah. You have the ancient Egyptians to thank for that. If knocking ice creams out of kids' hands is wrong, though, why is it still so funny to think about? <laughs> just because something is wrong doesn't mean it can't also be hilarious. <laughs> Also, the Egyptians are credited with the idea that judgment is being passed in an afterlife-type setting, Mm -hmm. and the visual of that post-death judgment is represented by a physical set of scales. So let's all say a big thank you to ancient Egyptians right now. On the count of three, one, two, three. Thanks for inventing scales. Thank you, Egyptians, for introducing us to the concepts of morality and soul weighing, vis-a-vis, judgment, and the afterlife. You didn't say the whole thing. Yours was, like, way more detailed than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say it with me at home? I don't care if you're listening to this at work. We owe them at least this much. Did you say it? Just say yes, make her happy. Because if one of those afterlife (laughs) negative confessions is never have I missed the opportunity in life to show my gratitude for the ancient Egyptian culture, don't say I didn't warn you. Uh, I don't I don't think it is though. <laughs> oh. Ooh, oh sh- you know what? Um spoiler alert. No. You know what? That's oh. All part of the plan. Yep. Yep. It'll be like a little scavenger hunt. Nothing to see here moving right along. Nope. Keep listening and when we explain negative confessions later, try not to soak your pants in excitement because it is truly thrilling stuff <laughs> there. So, now you've been warned. It goes on for a really long time. You've been warned twice. <laughs> Negative confessions! Can I get a what, what for negative confessions? Ugh, truly the most party time of all confessions. Uh, Death party. Did you know that you are probably already acquainted with the most popular spell from the Egyptian Book of the Dead? Do you know who eats your soul if you don't pass your afterlife quiz with flying colors? Is there anything you can do to skate through your test with the gods? If you've just been spending your life doing a bunch of stuff that you know they're really not going to like. If you want to be the first to know when it comes out, subscribe. What have you got to lose besides your immortal soul? 